It is so good to see each and every one of you for service number one of three Sunday morning services, 9, 10, 30, and 12 noon. And a shout out welcome to all of our first time guests here on site and our guests that have joined us online from here in the city of Ottawa, across our great nation of Canada, and even from around the world, people have joined us right now for this 9 a.m. service. Well, we're in a six-part sermon series that we've been calling Closer, all about nearness and proximity. We started in message number one, talking about getting close to God, and we looked at the story of Moses and the burning bush, and we looked at some principles from that amazing story in Exodus chapter 3. Last week in message number two, we talked about what do you do when the enemy is closing in on you, and we looked at seven tactics from the story of David and Goliath of how you can confront the enemy when the enemy is closing in on you and you are marked with fear. This morning in message number three, I want to invite you to get your Bible out and turn with me to the book of Hebrews. And we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 down to verse 25. The book of Hebrews is an incredible book, but it's a mysterious book. And there's a number of things that we actually don't know about the book of Hebrews. We actually don't really know who wrote it. Some of you are like, come on, pastor. We all know it's the apostle Paul. I I think that. But we don't fully know who clearly wrote the book of Hebrews. And not only that, we don't even really know the exact date that it's written. That's a bit of a mystery. And we're not even sure the, the place that the recipients of the book were living. We've got ideas, but we're not positive. And we're not even fully sure the condition totally that was going on to the audience that was being written to. And that's all the mystery. But there is something that we do know. We do know, and it's, it's, it's in the title. It's the epistle to the Hebrews. We know that it's a letter to the Hebrews. They are Hebrew by birth, but they are Christian by faith. And so they were Jewish people by birth, Hebrew by birth, but Christian by faith. And the writer wrote to them because they were experiencing a lot of persecution. In fact, if you've got your Bible open, I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 10, and I want you to gaze for a moment in verse 32 and the verses to follow. You won't see it on the screen, but we read here that they endured great conflict full of suffering. We also learned that they were at times publicly exposed to insult and persecution. That's verse 33. And at other times, they stood side by side to those who were treated as such. It says here that in verse 34, they suffered along with those in prison, And they even joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property where the the government was taking their property and taking their stuff and they were persecuted. Some were put in prison and they were insulted and they were spoken against. And, 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 And the writer said in verse 35, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence. You're going to be richly rewarded. And he said, in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And he calls them in verse 38, not to shrink back, but to press forward. Church, I really believe the book of Hebrews is a very pertinent book in this last days. And I want to talk to you today about last day living, how to live in these last days. Jesus could come back at any moment. Lots is going on in planet Earth. 
Lots is happening in the realm of politics. Lots is going on and we're seeing society pushing in and you're seeing things happening that we've never seen before. And many people are nervous and worried. I believe the word today is don't shrink back. Walk in confidence. Look, look up to Jesus, amen. I said, look up to Jesus, amen. He's the author. I said, look up to Jesus, church. He's the author. He's the, he's the finisher of our faith, amen. So I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 10, 19 to verse 25. And I want you to look at the screen. You're going to see here in verse 22, verse 23, and verse 24, these two words, let us. Everybody say those words together, let us. One, two, three, let us. It's something we are called to do together. Three times in our text, they're called to do something together. And we're going to talk about something we need to do together. We're going to explore what it is in a moment. But before we do, let's zero in on the latter part of verse 25. You're going to see it on the screen. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Whatever you're to do, the let us, you're to do it all the more. All the more as you see the day approaching. All the more means increased frequency. All the more means you better do this a lot. You better dedicate yourself to doing this. Increase what you're doing, what I'm telling you to do, the let us. As you see the day approaching, every time you see the phrase, the day in the Bible, it's referring to the second coming of Jesus. And the second coming of Jesus has two parts to it. One, the rapture, when Jesus comes back for his church, and those that are alive and remain are caught up to be with the Lord. The dead in Christ rise first. And the second part of the rapture is when the church comes back for the millennial age. There's many of you today, you believe the rapture will take place before the tribulation. But I know there's some of you today, you believe the rapture will take place in the middle of the tribulation. And I'm not here to debate this. But I'm here to say to you that these are days of persecution. These are days of turmoil. And the day is approaching when Jesus will come back. And I believe God is saying to the church, wake up, wake up, these are the last days. We could very well be the generation that experiences the return of Jesus. The first time he came as a baby in a manger, but the next time he's coming, he's coming for his church, amen. Anybody excited about the return? Come on, anybody excited about the return of Jesus? It reminds me of the, the old farmer that was in bed and he had the, 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 the grandfather clock that would chime on the hour. Anybody own one of those at one time? And it's, it's midnight and he hears the clock chiming and he's counting it off. He's in bed and his dear wife, mama's asleep and it, and it chimes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 11, 12. And then something happened with the mechanics and the old grandfather clock and it chimed 13 times, then 14 times, then it chimed 15 times. And he said, Mama, wake up. It's later than it's ever been. And I want to declare to you, it's later than it's ever been. It's later than it's ever been. Jesus is coming back. And so let us, let us, let us, and all the more as you see the day approaching. There's only three things I want to offer to you today, but they're very direct things that I believe the Lord wants me to remind us that we ought to do. Number one, write this in your notes. We together must remain close to our Father God. We need to press into God like we've never done before. 
We need God like never before. Church, we got to close in on God. We need to press into God. Now, I want to walk you through verse 19 down to verse 22. And I want you to see it on the screen. We must remain close to our Father God. Verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, the writer calls the believers brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Leave that on the screen. For 1,500 years, the Hebrews, the Jewish people, were part of a new covenant. And in the ancient old tabernacle and then in the temple, there was a holy place, and then there was the most holy place. And the most holy place was where they believed the Shekinah glory of God was. And the high priest, once a year, only once a year, was allowed to enter the most holy place, And the veil would be pulled aside and the high priest would go in and the high priest would have a a basin that was filled with blood. And the high priest would sprinkle the blood from the basin on a piece of furniture that was called the the mercy seat. And the high priest would put the, the blood on the mercy seat to atone for the sins of the people. And I'm told that there was a chain that would be attached to his leg in case he died in the holy place because no one else could go in to the most holy place. And if he died, they would just pull him out with the chain. And for 1,500 years, 1,500 years, there was a high priest that would go into the most holy place. Look at the screen. The writer says, brothers and sisters, we've got confidence that we can enter the most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Look at verse 20. By a new and a living way. How many people are glad Jesus is the new and Jesus is the living way? How many people are glad that we live not under an Old Testament covenant, but we live, come on, how many people are glad that we live under a new covenant and Jesus is the new and the living way? Open for us through the curtain or the veil that is his body. Everything in the Old Testament points to the New Testament. And the Old Testament tabernacle and then temple had all of its artifacts that pointed towards something in the New Testament, pointed to Jesus. And the veil pointed to Jesus. It was 30 feet in height. We don't know how thick it was, but we know it was 30 feet in height. And the book of Exodus teaches us that it was yarn that was woven together. Watch this. And there was four colors in the yarn. There was purple yarn, there was red yarn, and there was blue yarn, and there was white yarn. And each of those colors point towards one of the Gospels. The first color is purple yarn, and purple speaks of royalty. And it points towards the Jesus that Matthew presents, because Matthew presents Jesus as, the, as heaven's king, as heaven's royalty. And so the purple points to the Jesus that Matthew presents. The red would be crimson red, and it points to the Jesus that Mark presented because Mark presented Jesus as the suffering servant. He presented Jesus as the son of man, and the red yarn points towards the Jesus that Mark presents. And then the, and then the blue yarn, the sky blue yarn, points towards, points, points towards the gospel of Luke, Jesus who's presented in the gospel of Luke. And Jesus who's presented in the gospel of Luke is none other than the virgin son of God from heaven, the virgin son of God from, from heaven. And blue is the color of the gospel of Luke. 
And then white is the color of Jesus presented in the Gospel of John, the, 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 the pure white, the snow white. And John presents the absolute deity of Jesus. He presents Jesus as the sinless one. I want to point out to you that, that red in, in Mark presents him as the son of man and blue represents him, Jesus, the son of God and blue and red together mixed makes purple. In church, we don't know where the, the son of God begins and the son of man ends. We don't know where his deity begins and his humanity ends. We don't know where his humanity begins and his deity ends, but we know that the veil represents Jesus and each of the colors point to towards the Jesus of the gospel. And when Jesus was on that cross some 2,000 years ago, and when he uttered in his last breath, it is finished. He had finished the work of the fulfillment of the old covenant. And the Bible says in Matthew and in Mark that the temple veil was rent from top to bottom. It's 30 feet high. Why from top to bottom? Because man didn't tear the veil. God Almighty teared the veil. And Jesus is the curtain. Jesus is the veil. Jesus is the living way. He's our hope. Come on, Woodville. Give a clap offering of praise to our Jesus who is the living way. In verse 21, watch this. And since we have a great priest, Hebrews teaches us that Jesus is the high priest. The high priest in the Old Testament would go once a year into the most holy place. Every year, once a year to atone for the sins. But Jesus, the great high priest, shed his blood on the cross some 2,000 years ago. Anybody glad that our high priest is Jesus? Hallelujah. We've got a great high priest over the house of God. Who's the house of God? That's you. That's me. It's not the bricks. It's not the mortar. It's the people. You are the house of God. Jesus is over his church. Amen. Jesus is over his church. And then verse 22, let us draw near to God. Here it is because of verse 19, verse 20, and verse 21. The writer says, says, you guys are all being persecuted. They're taking your land. They're putting you in prison. They're insulting you. They're ridiculing you. You are going through great tribulation and persecution, Hebrew Christians. Don't shrink back. Press forward in whatever you do. Draw near to God with a sincere heart, a genuine heart, a real heart, and with the full assurance that faith brings. Oh, I wish I had time to expand this. The full assurance that faith brings. This is not the time for the church to cower back in fear. This is the time for the church to rise up in faith and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Somebody give a little clap offering of praise to our Lord and our Savior, the author and the finisher of our faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. The high priest would sprinkle the blood, but Jesus' blood that was shed, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Having our bodies washed with pure water. Maybe many Bible scholars believe that's referring to water baptism. I'm not positive. It could very well be that, but I'm glad when I see people come to Jesus and go public with their faith and get baptized in water. It was last Monday, holiday Monday, long weekend, Evelyn and I got in the car and we drove downtown and we've done this before. We went to Parliament Hill and we get outside and we walk around Parliament Hill. You should, you should walk around. It's, it's beautiful. 
And we looked at the scriptures that were etched on the peace tower, and there's over 20 scriptures etched on the walls in Parliament Hill. And we've studied those scriptures, and we began to proclaim those scriptures over Parliament Hill. Evelyn and I feel called to this church. We feel called to the city of Ottawa. We feel called to the nation of Canada. But Holy Spirit said to us very clearly, call this church to prayer. Don't be boxed in by your month-end prayer meeting. You know, church, we got a month-end prayer meeting. But did you know that that month-end prayer meeting is after the election? I think we need to be praying before the election. Come on, I think we need to get on our knees before the election, and we need to call out to God. And so next Sunday night, I'm calling the house to prayer. I said to our pastoral team, I said to the 150 leaders that were here on Wednesday night, I'm believing that this auditorium will be filled to capacity, and the overflow rooms will be filled, and we'll have a COVID-friendly drawing to God, getting on our knees, praying. Church, if there's ever a day the church needs to pray, this is the day. Don't listen to all the news. Don't get fear gripped by all the news that's going on. Don't let fear grip you. Get on your knees and call upon the name of the Lord. This is the time we need to draw near to Father God. Is there a little witness in the house today? We got to draw near to Father God. Number two, we must remain close to our faith in God. Number one, we got to remain close to our Father God. But then there's number two, we got to remain close to our faith, our faith in God. I want to take you to verse number 23, which talks about our faith, what we believe. And the writer said, let us, let's do this together. This is not in isolation. This is in community. Hold unswervingly. In other words, grasp onto and don't let go. Hold unswervingly. Hold steadfast to the hope we profess. What is the hope that we profess? His name is Jesus. Everybody say that name together. One, two, three, Jesus. Come on, lift your voice. Say it again. The hope is Jesus. One, two, three, Jesus. One, two, three, Jesus. For he who promised is faithful. I want to point out to you that our Jesus is never, never over-promised, and he's never under-delivered. What he promised, he presents. He's a promise maker, and he's a promise keeper. And there's a day going on, and it's going to get worse. I'm sorry, it's going to get worse, where even the elite, the elect, are going to be torn away from the faith that they believed. It won't be quick, it'll be slow, and it'll be a slippery slope away from God's word. Now, I'm not here to tell you who to vote for, and we've had politicians put signs on our property, and we say, you can't do that. We, we can't be, we cannot promote a party. And so I'm not here to tell you to vote for, but I'm here to tell you, you better check out the platforms of these parties because there's currently a party that's out there that is saying upon election, they will go after the charities that are not supporting, supporting their view of abortion. They're going to go after the charities that are up against abortion that aren't pro-choice but are pro-life they're going to go at it and sooner or later they're going to go at the church and some are like mark what will we do if they remove the charitable status of our church and we can't get a tax receipt for our giving is that the end i happen to believe that even if our tax exemption is removed i'm convinced that the generosity is gonna go up it's gonna go up 
because this is in my church, this is in the government's church, this is Jesus' church. And there's gonna be, there's gonna be born again ministers who are gonna get watered down in their faith and are gonna not stand strong for the word. I'm telling you, church, this is the word of God and we gotta stand strong on the word of God and hold true to what we believe. Sin is sin, it's never changed. Have you heard me, church? It's never changed. And I'm here to declare to you that marriage is between one man and one woman. No government's going to force us to do what goes against our convictions. We are going to stand on the word of God. And in these last days, we better close in the Father God. And we better remain true to our faith in God. Because it will be tested. But we're going to stand. I'm a child of the living God. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. And then number three, lastly, we must remain close to our family of God. We must remain close to our family of God. I'm just going to say it. There's nothing like the church coming together to worship. Amen. There's nothing like the corporate presence of God. Nothing replaces it. Nothing replaces it. And I'm glad that we can offer church online because we've got seniors and shut-ins that aren't ready to come out, can't come out. We've got people who are sick, people that are just aren't ready to come out. And I get it, and I honor it, and there's no guilt. But I'm here to say to you, you're watching online, there's nothing like the body of Christ coming together to worship corporately. He says, let us, let us, let us. We need our family, God. Let's, let's end with verse 24 and 25. Let us consider, let us consider. Let me talk to you for a moment about the word consider. Consider means to think about, really deeply think about with affection, with love, and with attentiveness. And uh, because our, our default mechanism is what's in it for me, but we're supposed to think about with love and affection how we can help others. Because coming to church we might think it's about us, but it's really about others. We've come here to worship Jesus, but we've come here to help others. Let us consider, let us think about with affection and attentiveness, how we may spur. Let's talk about the word spur. The King James says provoke. And the Greek word has a negative connotation. It means to incite or irritate. I don't want to irritate anybody. I don't want to get under your skin. I don't want to annoy you. But the positive side is how can I rouse you to action? How can I excite you to action? That's what provoke means, to excite you to action. Let us consider, let's, let's, let's really seriously think about with affection and attention how we can rouse to action, excite one another towards love. And the, and the Greek word for love here is agape, an unconditional love and good deeds. Here's what I'm praying God would wake up the church in Canada to. That the church in Canada, and as for this church, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to be loud with our love to this city. We're going to be loud with our love to the nation of Canada and loud with our love to the world that the government would say we'd be lost without the church because they are so loving in their actions. That's, that's the kind of church I want to pastor. Okay? All right? Now, your generosity was to the moon and back with the backpack, so much money that we had $5,000 left over, and we're discerning four areas, two schools, actually three schools, and then, then a neighborhood right, right, right beside us, 
And we're in the process of getting gift cards for every teachers in some of these schools. So they can go out and buy supplies for their class because they don't have enough money to do it because there's not enough money in the system. So may the church reach out to help. And so may those teachers and those students and all the parents go, wow, that church called Whitvale did what? And they just might walk in these doors. When they know how much we care, they might care about what we know. Come on, that's the kind of church we want to be, right? And we're, we're in our final stages of discerning our special community Thanksgiving offering. Remember years ago, we took up an offering to pay off the debt, and Holy Spirit convicted us and said, no, 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 I'll take care of that. I want you to take up an offering for the community. And the moment we did that, our giving in this church went through the roof. And you are a faithful giving church, keeping faithful and giving. We're on track to pay off the mortgage next May. We're on track to start our building program. We're excited, but we're going to unveil to you in the next few weeks two areas in our community that we're going to take up a special offering on Thanksgiving Sunday to help bless because that's the kind of church that we want to be. Amen. Now look at verse 25. Not giving up meeting together. <laughs> God, I, I want to I see you. I want you to say, I, I can't miss church because I'm going to see so-and-so, and, -so, and I, I need to tell them face-to-face, -face, I love you, I care for you, God loves you. I, there's so-and-so I need to see, and I need to, I need to say to them, stay with your marriage, work it out, keep praying, don't give up. There's something about spurring one another on and coming together, not giving up together. Some are in the habit of doing because some of the Hebrew believers who were Hebrew by birth, Christian by faith, were shrinking back because the heat was on, the persecution was great, they didn't know how to handle it. And so the writer said, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but you keep on encouraging one another. And I love that word, encourage, because it means to put courage in, and it means to come alongside and to help them. And so the power of coming together is to come alongside and help each other. And he said, and do this all the more as you see the day approaching. So let's put it together, church. We need to close in to Father God and pray like we have never prayed before and worshiped like we have never worshiped before. And we need to close in on our faith and hold true to the word of God. Amen. And we need to ring close to one another. I need you. You need me. I'm lost without you. You're lost without me. And we need Jesus. And it's great to be part of the family of God. We might have, we might have a different mother, but we got the same heavenly father. Amen. You might come from somewhere around the world, from a different country. We're in a church of over 85 nationalities. But we've come to Jesus. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. We're the family of God. You're the house of God. And the veil has been rent from top to bottom. Amen. And we've got a new and a living way. And his name is Jesus. So in these last days, we're not going to be fearful. We're going to lift up our eyes to Jesus. And we're going to draw close to him. And we're going to do all we can to win people for Jesus Christ. If you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, how would you spend the rest of the day I know what I do I do all I can to win people for Jesus so every day I get up I look to heaven and say is it today Lord and I do my best to do all I can to share the love of Jesus may we never give up may we never shrink back may we look up look out and walk by faith not by fear somebody give a little clap offering of praise to our come on somebody give a clap offering of praise come on somebody give a clap offering of praise to our 
Lord God. Would you stand with me? Father God, I pray in the mighty holy name of Jesus. As we take a few moments to worship in our final moments, I pray, God, that this message from Hebrews chapter 10, which sinks so deep in our spirits today, I pray it in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in this church, and I pray that we would not be a people of fear, but we would be a people of faith. I pray, God, as we gather for prayer next Sunday night, that we would get on our knees and call upon you, and there would be an awesome corporate presence of you. I thank you, God, that we can come together to worship this morning. Hallelujah. And I pray that we would remain close to you, Father God. And I pray we'd remain close to our faith in God. And we'd remain close to our family of God. So thank you, Lord. I love you. I praise you. And I pray, God, as we worship in these final moments about heaven, I pray that you would excite us and stir us and spur us on to love and good deeds. And we would do all this all the more as we see the day approaching in Jesus' name. Somebody shouted amen. Somebody shouted amen. If you can do this this morning, just lift your hands, worship together as we sing. And on that day, we join the resurrection. Stand beside the heroes of the faith. And with one voice, a thousand generations. Sing worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Come on again on that day. And on that day, we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith. And with one voice, a thousand generations sing worthy. Every head is bowed, everyone's eyes are closed. Whether you're standing in this auditorium or you're watching online, if today is the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, are you ready for heaven? Was there a time, a place, a moment that you personally asked Jesus to be the center of your life? 
Every Sunday, people are coming to Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not a religion. It's a personal relation with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the price for your sins. And the invitation today is to ask him to be the center of your life. If you've never done that, I want to lead you in this prayer. We're going to join you. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Today, I make my peace with you. I receive you in my life. I say yes to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your eyes. Could we celebrate right now salvations? Amen. And I believe there's people on site and online that you ask Jesus into your life. You don't attend a life-giving, Bible-believing church. We'd love to have you join us on the journey. Come on site. Check us out. You're somewhere around the world. Reach out to us. We're going to help you find a Bible-believing church in your area. And on your way out, if you accepted Jesus, drop by a table. we got a Bible for you, a little booklet for you. They can tell you about our follow class. And if you're our guest, can we, can we give it up again for all of our first-time guests and thank them all for being here today. And, you're a first-time guest. Drop by an exit table. We got a coffee card for Starbucks, Tim Hortons, McDonald's for you. Our way of saying thank you. I'm so glad you came today. In just a moment, we're going to close in prayer. There's offering buckets at the back, debit machines in the lobby if you're prepared to give on site. And if you like personal prayer, there'll be altar workers at the front. Father God, thank you for our time this morning. Go with us. Help us, God, to take the teaching and apply it to our lives. Give us a great Sunday. In an amazing week, to God be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you so much. Have an amazing day.